Hey, 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 thank you for tuning in to another week of This Can't Be Life podcast. I am your host, Kay the Rebel. You can find me, the show, only on one social media platform, which is Instagram. The podcast page is TCBL Podcast, and my personal page is at Kay the Rebel. Questions, comments, inquiries, or you would like to do a collaboration, the email address for the podcast is this can't single letter b l y f e at gmail.com um if you're new here welcome 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 so glad that you are taking an opportunity to rock out with me um every week i always you know reflect on what people have listened to the most and um everybody listened to a lot of my recent content but i did see like one person listen to my very first episode um whole classification our hoes really winning like that is so embarrassing the first episode however um I'm just grateful for the growth and how far that I've come wow and to think that was like four years ago uh, but yeah kudos to me again for four years of of podcasting which I did celebrate uh last month um I'm just gonna dig right into it um this episode I'm kind of going to get deep and uncover some realizations I've been having about myself, especially like when it comes to dating relationships. But before I do that, um, I haven't shared stories probably in a while, um, but I'm going to share a story today. For one, it's comical and it's also like me just coming to the terms of the fact that dating sucks and I'm like about to head out. Um, I think I will continue um, having my friend with benefits and just keep it pushing because like it's it's murky as fuck out here, honestly. So anyways, story time. Let's let's get into it. About two weeks ago, I exchanged numbers with a guy. He was 38, a Sagittarius, gainfully employed. He had four kids all by the same woman, divorced. And you know, like lately I've been hearing people like give feedback like they think I probably would be better suited with someone that's older than me so anyways the conversation was great via text um it was purposeful it was consistent and then one day we set a FaceTime date um and we were on FaceTime for like an hour I'm not gonna lie I was a little thrown off guard because he had I guess made a change in between when I first exchange numbers with him like he had a beard and I thought that made him attractive it was like a full face beard but it looks like on FaceTime um he had recently cut the beard um and you know how people say like oh I got catfished well I got beard fished okay um I just felt like he was less attractive without the beard however I still enjoyed the conversation And after that, he initiated us, like, planning a date. And I'm like, okay, cool. But then I told my best friend I was about to ghost him because I was just distraught about the absence of the beard. I know that sounds very shallow, but um, 
I just decided at this time in my life, I don't want to compromise on looks. Um, anywho. So I didn't reach out to him for like two days. And he didn't reach out to me either. So I'm like, hey, great. This is like a mutual ghosting thing. However, on day three, he comes back and he texts me and he's like, okay, you know, I'm sorry for not communicating with you because I had an issue with my daughter. Um, she had a bad accident and she broke her arm. And like, uh, he even went as far to send me a picture of a woman holding a little girl with a cast, like in a hospital emergency room. You couldn't see the woman's entire face, but she wasn't wearing a mask and neither was the child who looked to be age three or four. You know that I sent that to my, my bestie. I just had to. And in that moment, we determined that the story was cap. But, but you know, I entertained it and I told him, sorry to hear that. Wish your daughter speedy recovery and exited stage left. My thing is this. Why was the lie necessary? Why did I need to have a photo? Like, who even goes that hard to prove something to someone they don't even know? Like, just get the fuck on and just stop. Like, total waste of time. And also why I decided I'm like, for like the month of May and maybe even June, like, I'm, I'm not giving my number up to people at all. Like, this is... I can't. I, I refuse. What did I used to say? Like, I can't. I won't. I refuse. Yeah, basically. So, anywho, tonight's episode is truly about me being more aware of self and making sure or making like some sense of my ways of thinking, both past and present, and just analyzing that in general. And um, I've been in therapy for the past few months. And most of the time spent in therapy has been about me and my inner being, you know, internally and like how important it is for me to rediscover myself and execute this plan for like my rebirth, you know, through self-care, you know, manifestations, affirmations, really getting in tune with who, who I am, who K the Rebel is. In the past few weeks in therapy, we've been digging into my childhood. And if you have ever been to therapy, or maybe you've watched shows that have included therapy, you know that our childhood and our relationships as adults are connected in one way or another. And I've been having so many thoughts running through my head, overthinking, overanalyzing, etc. And there are two things in particular that have stuck with me which is like um, a few people making comments stating that I like hood dudes or I like the thug or the street type, you know, men who are a little rough around the edges. And it's true. I've admitted this on the podcast plenty of times. However, I usually just say I like my men unpolished. So the second thing that has also been written space in my brain is Kevin Samuels. And I'm sure everybody has seen him all over social media. He stirs the pot for a lot of people. He triggers a lot of people, you know. And when he does go live and he confronts women, black women that is, about their poor choices in men and how we either don't want or simply can't attract high value men. And I guess I should 
say what his definition of high bill, high value men are, and that's those that make close to 100k a year or over. They're educated, they own homes, drive nice cars, they're focused, they're driven, etc. All that good stuff. And based on his definition, Kevin Samuel's definition, I'm accountable and I'm real enough to say that I have only encountered and or experienced men that fall into that category three times in my life at the age of 35. One would be my high school sweetheart. The second would be my first husband. And the third would be a guy that I recently dated. Um, My high school sweetheart is definitely a high value man. He's like some accountant or some big time firm in New York. And he's also gay. But yeah, Um, my first uh, husband was always a high value man, um, spiritual, God fearing, grew up in a two parent home, college degree. Um, He currently is a CEO, owns his own business and um, also like works with high school kids. And um, then the guy that I recently dated after splitting um, from from my ex or my second husband, he, I guess, was considered high value. He didn't grow, like, up in a two-parent household, but he comes from good stock. Like, both of his parents have really good backgrounds, you know. Uh, he has a high salary um, as well, you know, takes care of his child-driven, you know, 401k, like, all that type of stuff. You know, there's really nothing you can say about him. Um, so, long story short... I brought this up, like the whole high value man, Kevin Samuels theory, as well as like getting feedback from other people that I clearly have a type. Um, And I wanted to know like why I attracted men who are not high value or, or why is it that I feel or felt I meshed well more with low value men as opposed to like a polished wall street kind of brother you know so first we talked about the occupations of men i dated in the past so here it goes i've had barbers i've had drug dealers i've had call center reps people who work in retail security offers security officers um and um after that we then focused on like the childhoods of these you know low value men and they rarely grew up in two parent homes they didn't have good relationships with either their mom dad or sometimes both um most of the low value men i've dated um have had mommy issues mothers were on drugs they grew up poor maybe they grew up in the projects or they were raised by another family member or you know somebody that obviously wasn't their mother and then we talked about like why i found them attractive the hood guys aka low value men and i mainly talked about like how hood dudes or or low value men just show up flawed like you don't gotta worry about the mask coming off you know what you see is what you get um I value some of their street principles as they can be applied to the real world. Um, I like the way they talk. You know, for a woman, I curse a lot and they usually do too. Um, 
I have found good guys or low value men to be intriguing because they've always got a story. Like what it was like growing up in the trenches, which is complete opposite of myself. So, you know, um, I like their survival stories too. Like their rough patches and how they may have tried to pull themselves through it. Um, I like how they can make light of situations. Like if I'm having a bad day, they can share something fucked up, like about their life. That's usually how it goes with a hood nigga, AKA a low value man. Um, I'll also admit that um, kind of hood niggas will gas me up and feed my ego faster than a polished dude ever would. Um, Words of affirmation is my secondary love language. And most of the hood niggas or low value men I chose spoke it fluently. Um, And my number one slash primary love language is quality time. Hood niggas and or low value men do have the time. Uh, I mean, they're usually not that productive, and when slash if they are, it's usually not consistent. Um, next, we talked about my parents, like how I'm similar or how I'm different from them. And um, my mother is super polished. Um, she's had a career um, for 30-something years, you know, with the government. She's about her bag. She does make six figures. She's been making that before it was even something people bragged about. Um, No matter what curveball life throws at her, she'll never fall off. She keeps growing and glowing. If she takes one step backward, best believe she's going to take about seven steps forward. My mom's a boss, period. Um, She's very ladylike, and uh, I'm not. Um, Her nickname is, like, for the family, Michelle Obama. And, like, I give off masculine energy and can be aggressive. And my mother is super feminine and mild-mannered and rarely ever aggressive. Um, The only thing I could say is that coming up, she did curse a lot. But now she kind of hardly does. And I definitely get my potty mouth from her. Um, My mom pretty much follows the rules and and tries to walk a straight line and me I've always kind of been more of a rebel you know my father um grew up poor in the projects his parents did the best that they could raising Kim and four other kids um so he did grow up in a two-parent household um my dad became successful much later in life um he didn't establish a career until like his mid-40s And prior to that, he always worked like low paying jobs, sometimes more than one, just to take care of his wife and my other siblings. Um, He's not a college graduate. He got his GED in his late thirties, but let me tell you what my dad is, loyal. Um, He's a provider, a protector, always puts family first. And I kind of have always viewed my dad as the underdog who made it. My dad has spent a lot of time complaining about his childhood and how poor he grew up. But at the end of the day, you know, he rose above and made it out the hood. So while we're discussing all this, it was like my therapist turned on this light bulb and said, you're dating men who are a reflection of your dad. 
but you're dating their potential. Like you date underdogs with hopes that they will become a success story like your dad. You believe it's true. You believe it's possible and it could very well be, but those men have to want it for themselves. You know, like the hood niggas are the low value men that I have dated. They obviously aren't as driven or, or, or want to make it out of their circumstance like my dad. And um, looking back at all of the men, even with my um, current ex, none of them were hungry enough to want more or to um, keep going and fight their way to achieve success. You know, they gave up easily. There was always an excuse. You know, they wanted shortcuts or handouts and weren't truly independent. Um, my dad was also like never afraid to seek counsel or guidance from his wife when he had shortcomings. And so many of the low value men or hood niggas that I've been tied to in my life rarely ever listen when I try to teach or coach or put them onto game. And I was speaking from experience considering I didn't have the issues that they have with childhood traumas or growing up poor or anything. So it was kind of like, if you view me as a success story, why wouldn't you want to follow the blueprint if I was trying to give it to you? So in sum, um, my therapist basically found the answer to my question. But she also challenged me to stop thinking or feeling as if I am only capable of snagging a hood guy or a low value man. She was reminding me how words have so much power, especially when we speak it into the universe. So I'm not going to say I'm not capable of attracting high value men. I just haven't met one yet that is the one for me. I can also say that I'm tired of getting the same results or experiencing the same uh, dead-end and and disappointment of low-value men. I'm also accountable in the role that I have played. And um, when I listen to Kevin Samuels, I cannot refute at least 80% of his arguments. And that's because I know I'm responsible for some of the things that I've experienced while linking myself to hood niggas or low-value men. I like what he says, and um, I don't want anyone to misinterpret this at all. Maybe someone who's listening is a hood nigga or a low-value man. And no one, yeah, I'm not knocking hood niggas, low slash low value men, or those who are are unpolished or raw, as my therapist calls them. However, you can't date them like with the mindset that they will be your knight in shining armor. You know, you probably shouldn't procreate with them, don't live with them. And like Kevin Samuel says, maybe you should just go out to eat with them, you know, sleep with them if you're feeling a little frisky. You know, get whatever you might need in that moment and just keep it moving. Um, 
my best friend calls low value men commercial breaks like you basically waste time with them until the high value guy comes along or just be by yourself I honestly didn't make this episode for anybody to relate to me. I recorded this episode because I'm living in my truth. I'm also being committed to discussing all of the things that once made me feel uncomfortable or ashamed. And I think that this episode is for anyone who judges me past or presently for poor choices in men. I'm fully aware of who I am and mistakes I've made. I'm real enough to record it so the world can hear because I don't give a fuck about what anyone thinks. As I heal and I work on loving and accepting me more, you know? I'm thinking next week I might skip a week. I'm not sure. Um, I think I want to just let this episode marinate for the next two weeks. And um, until next time, peace, love, and stay safe.